Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. I'd also like to give a shout out to Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API-based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. A CryptoFin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking at crossriver.com crypto. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very exciting DAO-related episode for you folks today. Joining us on the other side of the mic is Alok at Vibe Bio. Vibe Bio is interesting because it sits at the intersection of crypto and biotech, which is a intersection we haven't really explored yet on the show, so I'm excited to unpack it. Thanks for joining us, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. It's uh, an honor to be here on The Scoop with you. It certainly is an honor for me as well to to chat with you again. I actually spoke with Dudas this morning. I should have tapped his brain to get some tough questions for you, but Mike, um, Mike's got a lot going on uh, with, <laughs> with everything that's happening in the market. Hmm. And so I think he was just trying to decompressed. So I didn't, I didn't want to bother him too much. Anyway, we'll get into the Mike Dudas connection shortly, I'm sure, but maybe you can walk our listeners through what Vibe Bio's mission is, the vision, and where do you see the space heading in the coming years? Absolutely. Would it be helpful if I gave you just a couple quick words on my background and experience just to sort of set up the stage for Vibe? Absolutely. So in brief, I'm actually a scientist myself. I spent about 15 years on the bench doing research and then caught the software bug and started a couple software companies focused on the biotech space. But then mid last year, my wife and I were fortunate enough to have our first kid, though the pregnancy went okay. Unfortunately, our daughter was born very sick and spent a long time in the hospital. One of the hardest parts about that experience though, was that though the diseases that she had were somewhat common, the biology well understood. Unfortunately, there were no dedicated therapeutic options available to her. 
And as a consequence, she spent a long time suffering in the hospital. And I'm sure you can appreciate that as a family, we felt extremely alone, abandoned, as well as helpless to be able to find a treatment for her. And I think that experience, especially when you're in the hospital for a long period of time, often you start to meet other families as well that have a similar set of experiences where they too care for their loved one, want to find a treatment for them, but are unable to do so. And I think it's from this circumstance where the idea for Vibe came, which is there was this common thread amongst this group of mothers and fathers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, this community that seemed to form, especially when children got ill uh, with rare diseases. And so I think it's from this community that became clear that they all had a tremendous amount of hope. They just need a little bit of help. The challenge for getting a treatment for their kid was not finding it necessarily, it's actually in funding it. So hence, we decided to embark on this path of building Vibe Bio. And so Vibe is a community of patients, scientists, and partners that help identify promising treatments for rare diseases and other overlooked diseases and fund them in innovative ways. As an organization, we're somewhat young, you know, only been around for a couple months, but today are launching and announcing our first round of financing of $12 million led by Initialized Capital, as well as launching two partnerships with patient advocacy groups, one focused with NF2 Biosolutions, the other with Chelsea's Hope, to actually now invest in finding treatments for those specific diseases. And so if you actually look at the broader landscape of biotech, we actually see rare diseases as a unique place to help bring this new source of capital and this new coordination infrastructure through DAOs, namely because one in 10 Americans, if you believe it or not, suffers from a rare disease. And it's my belief that every patient with a life-altering disease should have a community as well as the power to pursue a cure. Thanks so much for sharing that background. What's so interesting about your story, what strikes me is it's a great example of, of a use case for crypto that's outside of just speculation. So often people who lambast the market or this space say it's a technology that is basically a solution for a problem that doesn't exist, so to speak. But this is actually trying to solve a very big problem, which is if you don't necessarily have a large enough group of people or enough deep-pocketed billionaires, you're not going to be able to find a cure or find treatment for a given ailment or disease because, again, the money's just not there. So maybe walk us through exactly the dichotomy between the way it exists in terms of the way that funding and doing the R&D to get a treatment, how that's done traditionally, and how this really kind of turns it on its head. Absolutely. I think there's two parts to set the stage in terms of how challenging the current environment is if you have a rare disease or an overlooked disease. Let me put you in the shoes of a patient and their parents, where the doctor just informed you that your child has a rare disease, and that though we know a lot about how the disease works, there actually are no treatments available. Again, that feeling of abandonment and helplessness dominates sort of your thinking for days afterwards. And my wife mm. and I felt the same. When you're in that shoes, your first recourse is to go and beg biotech and pharma companies, 
traditional institutions in the biotech space to work on their on your disease. Mm-hmm. But because of misaligned incentives and priorities and capacity, they often are unable to. Mm-hmm. As a consequence, your only choice then is on one side to beg billionaires to donate money to invest in a, a potential treatment or bake sales where you can go rally a larger quantity of capital through selling uh, you know, baked goods. We believe there's a better approach. And so when you juxtapose that existing environment and approach, which is pioneered by you know, centralized institutions like biotech and pharma companies, what we see is actually a really unique opportunity by which we can actually start to put the patient and the customer sort of back at the center of the equation. Where when you start to move away from a traditional sort of financing model to one that's community-led, patients can now be in the driver's seat of deciding what medicines to pursue, what disease areas we should try to treat, not profit or politics. So for us, ViBio is building a community of patients, scientists, and partners to identify candidate treatments as well as fund them in innovative ways. Patients and token holders, uh, we issue a governance token called the Vibe token, can actually now put forth proposals around drug development for their specific disease because there actually ends up being a myriad of different candidate medicines with promise that are sitting on shelves today, but simply lack the capital and the focus to be able to develop them. So these proposals will outline the specific candidate medicine, the cost, the set of steps it takes to actually be able to show that this medicine now works in humans, and hopefully then to a commercial approval. So that's the kind of approach that we're trying to take, which is again, put the power back in the hands of patients and let them be sort of in the driver's seat of the drug development process. Yeah, it's effectively giving those folks a new tool, right? It's a new mechanism by which they can sort of bootstrap the ability to find a cure for a new disease. But can you share your perspective of why can a DAO do this? Why can blockchain do this versus maybe some other sort of community platform? Yeah. You know, when my daughter was sick, we evaluated a myriad of different approaches to try and find a treatment for her. And what we came to realize is that when you look at the existing approaches, whether it be charities or philanthropy, which tend to be more focused on awareness and have limited access to capital and expertise, or a biotech, which tends to be VC funded. In that latter case, especially because of capacity and resource constraints and optimizing for NPV, what you'll find is that a given biotech company ends up focusing on and prioritizing only the top two disease areas, which tend to be the largest disease areas. But when you integrate that decision across the few thousand biotechs that are out there, you end up with herd mentality, where all the biotechs end up focusing on the same subset of diseases. So in our case, what we knew is that we needed to ensure that the priorities of the community were put first, number one. And number two is we needed to ensure that we had access to capital that was willing to take big swings that could transform a given domain. And if you look at crypto, which now has maybe uh, approaching a trillion dollars in market cap, compared to say biotech VC, which has only about 40 to 50 billion a year invested, you've got about 20 times more capital available in crypto to be directed to these high potential, high value type projects. So it became clear to us that less about the specific technology, more about what was best for the community, best for the user, best for the patient, was to be able to 
leverage DAOs and tokens as a, a new funding mechanism. Yeah, it's super interesting. So <laughs> one thing about, and we talked about this on the phone when we had that chat, so often the problem with DAOs is there's not enough incentive to really participate, to really kind of engage in the community. But what makes this so unique is there's only so many people who really care about like complex, you know, financial instruments and perpetual swaps. And it's hard to kind of get a really robust group of people to participate in the governance of something related to that. But this is people's lives. This is whether or not people have a livelihood, uh, can feel secure that people that they love are happy in terms of their well-being and are healthy. So there's no greater incentive. There's, there's really nothing that is bigger than that. So that kind of probably helps drive a community. How is the community around this DAO shaping up? And what are the people who are participating? What are they saying to you? Like, how are they communicating their interests and, and the degree to which they want to be involved? It's an awesome question. I think it's a great example of where I think DAOs also are going to be really dominant in this space over time because of the fact that you mentioned that you know there is real interest, real incentive. This is not a nice to have, right? This is not a an interim sort of financial optimization. This is a long-term priority for many people. Yeah. And I think what makes VibeBio's community of patients, scientists, and partners really unique is the different parts of the ecosystem that are now coming together around this concept to advance treatments initially for rare diseases. So our community, which we're also now starting to open up as part of this launch, is composed of patients and patient advocacy groups that are focused on specific diseases. Their interest has been massive in part because they are currently constrained in terms of resources, expertise, know-how to be able to develop a treatment for the disease they care about. Second is also really experienced drug developers. You know, we've got folks in, who are participating in our community uh, and vetting process who have built multi-billion dollar rare disease drugs themselves and help bring them to market. These individuals from a scientific and drug development standpoint are really interested in our community because they want to be close to the patient. They don't want to be working for someone else's pocketbook. They want to be working directly for the people that can benefit from the medicine they're working on. And then lastly is I think also partners in part because somewhat uh, like the broader crypto space, drug development is also highly distributed and decentralized. You need expertise that ranges from clinical trials to manufacturing to regulatory. And there's a suite and an ecosystem of partners that can help bring that to reality. And so what we see is that the DAO construct and crypto enables us to access capital, as we discussed, but also serves as a unique hub by which we can actually start to coordinate the actions across these different constituencies and make sure it's focused, most importantly, on the priorities of the patient and the broader community. And there's also a potentiality that even some of the pharma companies might want to participate because if you think about how these drugs get developed, I'm sure there are several researchers or scientists who hit roadblocks and they have to stop because it's too costly or it's too expensive. And so you could have initiatives within firms that aren't necessarily viable within the context of the firm. They could sort of take those efforts and then bring them to the DAO 
where they would live on and survive. You hit the nail on the head. When we look at the approach that pharma and biotech companies take when it comes to drug development, any good organization and leadership team has to focus the organization because of capacity and, and resources. But what that often translates to is that products with high potential and good market opportunities that simply just don't stack up as large, right, as maybe the ones they are focusing on, end up sitting on the shelf. Yeah. So this approach becomes a really unique solution by which we can actually provide a shot on goal for that medicine. So first is I think we're actually having a lot of really exciting conversations with biotech venture capital firms, large publicly traded pharmaceutical companies, as well as academic institutions who are first interested in trying to see these other medicines that they don't have the resources to develop have a chance to see the light of day. Second is also an opportunity for them to partner directly and more closely with patients, access an additional source of capital to de-risk some of these programs and drug programs as well. So it becomes really, really exciting when you start to say, how can that broader ecosystem of partners also benefit from having tight coordination, a new source of capital that's looking to transform a given disease area, more importantly, centered around the most important part of the ecosystem, which is the patient. It's interesting. So like, have you ran this by folks within Big Pharma? Yeah. What have they said? So it's really funny. We're actually in the midst of certain negotiations with several large pharma companies, uh, academic institutions to actually work on this approach and bring in intellectual property and advance them. If you give me a, a couple more months, I'd love to come back uh, on the scoop and, and share some of those details. But I think it's really interesting in that you see sort of a bifurcation across the industry so far. You have a portion of the industry which tends to be early adopters and those institutions that truly are patient-centric, especially in the rare disease space, immediately see the opportunity when it comes to empowering patients with capital and expertise and resources to develop medicines. So there's a lot of interest and excitement there to partner and see you know, these medicines get in the hands of patients. But then I think you also see a group that still are uncertain. You know, They've worked in a certain business model and incentive structure for several decades and are still sort of taking a wait and see type of approach. So you know, I think, yeah, what I often hearken back to is a great example from you know the past uh, couple decades, which is the development of treatments for cystic fibrosis. You know, cystic fibrosis as of say two, three decades ago was only known to have maybe uh, 10, 20,000 patients, but it was the concerted effort of a patient community, namely the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation that rallied patients all across the globe, raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and actually put that capital to work in biotech companies that has since translated today to basically being the main revenue driver for Vertex Pharmaceuticals, which does about $4 billion a year in top line, almost all of it from the cystic fibrosis franchise initially funded by the patient charity, and has a market cap of $60 billion plus. So I think it's a great example of how patient charities and patients themselves have this native superpower where they can actually see the future. And in circumstances where, again, traditional institutions are focused elsewhere, we hope that VibeBio can be a unique partner for these patients, scientists, and partners to help discover new medicines. 
Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling and rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Cross River. Building the next big thing in crypto? Then it's time to get your fiat on and off ramp solution from Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. Cross River is powering the future of financial services. A CryptoFin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking. Request your fiat on and off-ramp solution now at crossriver.com slash crypto. There's obviously the very important part of the R&D that goes into finding cures, finding new treatments. There's also like going back to the community element, this human aspect to it. When people get sick, it's so important to have that support system, to have that group of people that are going through it as well and who are living with the pain and living with in some cases, the suffering. And this provides that sense of community as well. What does it look like on the community side in terms of how people are helping each other get through what is difficult? One of the great things about Vibe Bio is our ability to engage with and partner directly with patient communities, such that when it comes to a specific disease area or a set of activities, the patient community, which is usually a charity, has tremendous understanding of the disease, awareness, treatment modalities, as well as potential medical doctors who specialize in the space. And it becomes so amazing to see these patient communities be able to identify new patients, but then also connect with each other to share best practices and approaches. One of the interesting observations I made over the past few months has been that some of the doctors that are supporting a given disease area or have expertise there also can translate that expertise to other adjacent diseases that they might not be familiar with. So I think there's a lot that we can do to help empower these patient charities, these patient advocacy organizations to help learn from each other, build best practices, 
but then also leverage that broader community of experts, doctors, drug developers, et cetera, to help advance their mission as well. So, you know, we're really excited again to launch partnerships with NF2 Biosolutions, which is focused on neurofibromatosis type 2, as well as Chelsea's Hope, which is focused on Lafora disease, both of which are deadly rare diseases that don't have great treatments today and help empower many more communities to come to achieve what they have, which is now both capital and expertise to help develop a candidate therapy for uh, those disease areas. Mm, it's interesting. So we also talked about the regulatory aspect, right? This is a question that is on the mind of many people running DAOs. And you said it kind of fits neatly into the existing FDA requirements. How does it work from a regulatory perspective? Yeah. You know, one of the exciting parts about uh, the biotech industry, as I alluded to before, is that both through COVID as well as the past decade or two has shown that decentralized biotechs and distributed biotechs can actually work really well. So you'll have a measurable number of biotech companies out there that are developing medicines, but actually have no labs. And the reason they can actually do that work is because they work with an external set of service providers like contract manufacturers, clinical research organizations, amongst others, who help with the day-to-day -day tactics for that specific function. So the DAO as an entity can serve as a point and a hub to coordinate and rally that community of patients, scientists, and partners. It enables us to access capital through cryptocurrency token sales. But then the actual work can be done by that same distributed network of providers that neatly plugs into the FDA regulatory and compliance pathways. So it becomes a really exciting opportunity when you can start to empower that community to start setting priorities and allocating capital, but then also execute efficiently thereafter in a decentralized and distributed fashion based on capabilities and competencies. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the diseases or, or ailments that are being worked on through the Dow today? Sure. So, you know, we've been fortunate to have conversations with a few dozen different patient advocacy groups at this point and are helping them sort of think through their own scientific and development strategy. The two that we're initially launching with, one is focused on neurofibromatosis type 2, or NF2, and we're partnered with NF2 Biosolutions, patient charity focused on that disease area. In that circumstance, NF2 is a disease of the central nervous system, which basically results in tumors across different parts of you know, the CNS whether it's on the periphery of the hands, in the brain, or in the spinal cord. These tumors, unfortunately today, are treated by removal, mm. sometimes with chemotherapy, but often because of the nature of the disease, which is genetically defined, the chemo tends not to work, and those tumors start to come back and results in paralysis, uh, loss of respiratory, loss of uh, muscle function, etc., and ultimately death. So what we're actually working on and collaborating with NF2 Biosolutions is to create a drug program and a biotech called Merlin Therapeutics that actually develops a gene therapy that inserts a specific promoter into the cells of the CNS such that we can actually try to mitigate the development of tumors in the first place. It's a really exciting, really interesting approach that could potentially also be applicable to other adjacent oncology-related indications. The second is called Lafora disease, which we're partnering with Chelsea's Hope. This charity has been around for about two or three decades and has 
had several candidate medicines come to the forefront to potentially treat this disease. This disease uh, manifests, it's what's known as a glycogen storage disorder. Glycogen is sort of one way that the body sort of stores sugars, but when it's not handled correctly, leads to these buildup of glycogen bodies and plaques in the brain, in the muscles, elsewhere, and also results in paralysis, seizures, etc. And unfortunately, within about a decade of diagnosis, most of the children pass. Again, also has no treatment available today. And what's been historically challenging for Chelsea's Hope has been that these candid medicines that have been developed, whether it be at a biotech company or a big pharma, often show some promise in the scientific realm. But when it comes time to prioritizing it for a clinical trial, often lack the capital and the focus to be able to do so, and therefore they get stuck. So Vibe Bio and our approach and our DAO hopes to be able to continue those programs into clinical trials and hopefully approval. And so those are some of the negotiations and discussions that we're in the midst of having today and are getting a lot of positive reception from both the pharma companies, the patient advocacy groups, obviously, and drug development experts to be able to do that. So you raise this capital. I'm pretty sure Mike Dudas is is an investor. Yep. Co-founder of The Block. What are we going to use the money for? What's your sort of execution plan? Yeah. So, you know, one of the interesting things about the rare disease space and what sort of I learned when I was in the NICU was that the challenge with drug development in the rare disease space is not finding a candidate treatment, it's funding it. And one of the facets of this disease space, despite it affecting one in 10 Americans, is that it's actually somewhat cost-effective and lower cost compared to other disease areas to actually pursue and advance a given treatment. So for fairly modest dollars, several millions, maybe even 10 to $15 million, you could potentially actually get a medicine through a clinical trial and potentially mm. approved. So what that means is that we're now actually able to leverage a fairly reasonable quantity of capital that we can tap through cryptocurrency token sales to advance medicines for these specific disease areas. And you know, as you noted, we were fortunate enough to raise $12 million in our first round of financing that was led by Initialized Capital. We're working with Parl Singh there, their healthcare partner who's been phenomenal. And Mike Dudas from Six Man Ventures and formerly of The Block uh, also participated in a pretty big way. One of the things we'll be doing with this initial round of financing is first to be able to kick off these two drug programs with NF2 Biosolutions and Chelsea's Hope. Second is start to build out our team, whether it be developers, which we have several open positions for those interested, or also a few therapeutics experts to help us with strategy and evaluation. But then lastly, and most importantly, is continue to build out and scale the community. You know, we've had conversations and interactions with several dozen patient advocacy groups, scientists, pharmaceutical and academic institutions, and now want to start to inculcate that manifest that in a comprehensive way such that we can continue to grow the community, identify new disease areas, and continue to fund them in innovative ways. Mm, super interesting. So what, what type of hires do you think you'll need to make? You know, we've got some great team members already. We have open positions right now in Web3 engineering, front end, back end as well. We're also looking to hire therapeutic staff, whether it be from a clinical trial perspective or from a, a scientific perspective, as well as a business development perspective. We're hiring for community managers, as well as content and social media marketing experts. So we're really trying to build a completely new type of biotech company 
and do so from scratch, but with modern technologies like crypto at its core. So if you feel personally moved by trying to find treatments for disease areas like rare diseases, as well as want to apply your skills for long-term benefit of both patients, communities, and also you know society, hopefully VibeBio will be one of the places that you consider. Yeah, that's pretty cool. When you think about community, like you bring on this community manager, what do you want them to do? Like, what are the priorities there? Yeah. You know, the community management roles that we have are extraordinarily important. I describe them as sort of like the top two priorities for us as an organization. Because if you sort of look at traditional biotech companies, their core tends to be a scientific capability or know-how. For us, actually, it's that community of patients, scientists, and partners. And so I think the first real critical piece here is being the voice of Vibe, our values, our organization, our mission amongst patient communities and patient advocacy groups. Second is also starting to rally that broader community of scientists and drug developers who have expertise in this broader space to also be a participant in part because it's not just about understanding the disease and identifying candidate medicine. It's also about running the manufacturing, the clinical trials, the regulatory work, et cetera. And so bringing those experts to the table to work alongside patients is, I think, another key critical facet. And I think in the aggregate, what is going to really be the linchpin for us is ensuring that as this community comes together to identify, that we can also vet those proposals quickly and make good decisions. So that, I think, are the, the facets that our community manager and our community leads are going to be involved with. You know, how do we go and ensure that these patient communities are participating and, and learning and contributing their best practices back to others? Are we bringing in the right types of experts and engaging them to help identify and, and advance these candidate medicines? But then also, can we do this continuously at scale to ensure that we actually bring medicines to market? What's it been like being in the crypto world compared to biotech? <laughs> You know, let me maybe just start with some of the similarities, which I think the first place to start is the fact that both entities, as I alluded to earlier, whether it be biotech or crypto, very heavily value decentralization and distribution of resources, competencies, and skills. The second is both are actually deeply technical domains, different vectors, but still deeply technical. And I think, you know, maybe hopefully this came through from our earlier discussion, but the other is that both are rooted in a community. And so whether it's a community of patients or a community of drug developers and partners or, you know, a community in Discord, community kind of drives the priorities for both domains. So I wanted to at least start out with the similarities, which I think fundamentally are aligned. I think the differences are that in the crypto world, there's far more interest to be really disruptive and to do big things. And I think it's also a domain whereby you are empowered as an individual, even in anon, to be able to develop technologies or pursue an idea that bucks the trend in terms of legacy institutions and where they're focused. In the biotech world, I think there is some similar facets of that same impetus and innovative spirit, 
but just tends to be a little bit harder, a little bit more expensive because of the space and because you are doing something sort of in real life. So what I'd actually just highlight is there's, I think, a new trend that I think we're going to start to see as we emerge out of this bear market, which is when you have a circumstance that legacy institutions are focused in one place, but that a community of people within that domain have a high unmet need elsewhere, I think you're going to start seeing DAOs emerge as a unique construct by which that community can start to realize the solutions that they want. We describe that concept as an industry DAO. And we describe it as an industry DAO in part because it, that construct and the incentives and the participants are going to be different, whether you're in transportation, space, biotech, etc. And I think that's really where the future is going to be, in part because it's going to be hard for a legacy institution to be whipsawed back and forth and is always unfortunately going to have to leave potential opportunities and focus on the table. So it's going to be, I think, that community that should be empowered with both resources, expertise, and capital to make that a reality. And I think the industry DAO as a, a broader long-term trend is going to be uh, what makes that happen. So it's like kind of pioneering a new category of DAOs. Absolutely. The focus, the incentive alignment that DAOs enable, I think is really unique. I think it's become clear, whether it be through Constitution DAO or Climate DAO or you know the variety of other DAOs that are out there, that community ownership is here to stay. But I think what has yet to be made clear, yet to become obvious, is how does that facet of community ownership apply to different industries? I'd like to think we're demonstrating that in real time of how community ownership can be applied to the drug development process, whether it be through community-owned intellectual property and decision-making, infrastructure, and go-to-market, potentially even. How will that apply to other spaces? Who knows? But I think that's really where the, the big alpha is going to come from long-term. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's the alpha leak. <laughs> Appreciate you stopping by the show today. Really appreciate the chat. Where can our listeners learn more about what you're working on at Vibio? I think our website's the best place to start, vibebio.com or vibebio.com. We're on Twitter at vibe underscore bio. And yeah, would love to hear from all the members of the community, no matter what walk of life you're from, what your opinions are on a given technology stack. We'd love to hear from you and, and see how we can help uh, you, whether you're a patient community to find a drug for your disease, whether you're a drug developer looking to uh, have impact with your work, or if you're you know, crypto native and looking for ways in which you can actually drive the next generation of drug development using DAOs. Uh, we'd love to hear from everybody in the community. Amazing. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.